Are we? Yes. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast from P-Town. I am your host and your, or, oh, sorry, co-host, and your host is here. I'm sorry. I messed that up. Should you're we trying start to take over? over the position? Yep. You've only been on here for some episodes, and now you're trying to ramrod your way right into the top slot. Correct. That's how it works around Just here. Just because it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Hey, everybody. It's her birthday. It's my so, birthday. Um, she's two years older than I am. She's well, amazing. For two days. Three days. Well, my birthday isn't coming up for a few days, so I'm going to get some mileage out of it. Yeah, you are. Um, I hope okay. everybody's having a great, had a, or hope everybody had a great Christmas. Yes. Um, the wind here blew like crazy last night, which is probably why I didn't get to sleep till after midnight for some reason. Oh. We're usually in bed by about 830 because yeah. we're old. <laughs> and now it's going to be even earlier because I'm older. Oh, yay. 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 Um, I was going to, I was looking and, um, I see now that we have amassed 5,324 plays of the podcast, which some podcasts out there get that many plays within like five minutes of posting it. Okay. Well, an episode. I think you should be grateful for everybody who does play it. But did you know that this year in 2022, I created 1,249 minutes of new content. Very nice. Which is more than 97% of creators in my category. Excellent. So you should all be thankful for what we're doing for you. <laughs> Even if we're boring you. I have one listener who I actually happen to be related to, and she says the podcast puts her to sleep. So I'm not sure if I should be happy about that, or she said <gasps> she fell asleep with it on the other night, and it had been going for three hours. Guess what? What? She just gave you the perfect idea. What? You have trouble sleeping at night. Maybe I should listen to my podcast? Maybe you should listen to the podcast. Probably not. No. Yeah. No, listening to you snores enough for me. (laughs) Wow, the new year, he is going to be nice. You wait, 2023? New year, new me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of other crap that people don't believe in. Oh, come on. You believe in Bigfoot? Bigfoot's real. There's been too many sightings. Did I tell you my theory? Oh, no. The Bigfoot is actually a person that was sent here by UFOs. And they come down and pick them up every once in a while and take them back and analyze the data and stuff and whatnot and talk about things. That's why nobody's ever found one. Brother. All right. It makes sense, doesn't it? No. Nope. Um, So, getting into the news you can use... Thank you, news correspondent, for always being Johnny on the spot. Um, California University apologizes for prisoner experiments. Oh, gosh. A prominent California medical school has apologized for conducting dozens of unethical medical experiments on at least 2,600 incarcerated men in the 1960s and 1970s, including putting pesticides and herbicides on the men's skin and ejecting it into their veins. The experiments involved administering doses of pesticides and herbicides to the incarcerated men who volunteered for the studies and were paid $30 a month for their participation. What? Yeah. Among the highest uh, among the highest paid roles at the prison and in demand, according to a 1977 article of the university student newspaper. 
Other experiments included placing small cages with mosquitoes close to the participants' arms or directly on their skin to determine host attractiveness of humans to mosquitoes. The report stated Dr. Maybach's activities at Vacaville were known to and endorsed by UCSF administrators, including the UCSF F Wow. UCSF ethicist Edward Maybach wrote. So, uh, actually, I thought it was Stanford because of the Stanford prison experiment that we did a uh, episode on a long time ago. But it turns out it was UCSF, which must be University of California, San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. But uh, they should do that. Who's attractiveness California. of humans to mosquitoes on me? Because those damn mosquitoes, they love me for some reason. Yes, they do. Um, late Monday, the U.S. Department of Transportation announced it is investigating Southwest Airlines for the national travel fiasco. Mm-hmm. USDOT is concerned by Southwest's unacceptable rate of cancellations and delays and reports of lack of prompt customer service. They have canceled 70% of their flights. In Denver, United is working just fine, but Southwest has canceled all of their flights. Yeah. Which kind of, yeah, kind of makes you wonder. When I saw a picture, they did a, I was watching this news lady who was at um, Portland International Airport. You could see the ticket counters were all full, and then they panned in on Southwest Airlines. None. All windows were closed. Nobody was there. Maybe it's and because... And nobody could reach them. Maybe it's because they're not used to the snow in the Southwest. I call baloney. Because they probably don't get a whole lot of snow in Arizona. Doesn't matter. But I'm not sure where Southwest come from. Well. News correspondent would know. Um, Joe Mercer Marley, uh, who was 31 and a reggae musician and grandson of Bob Marley, died of an asthma attack. Oh. So that got to kind of suck. Harvey Jett, 73, American guitarist for Black Oak, Arkansas, uh, is dead. And Cue Card, who was 16, was a British thoroughbred uh, racehorse and died of a heart attack and was also a specialist steeplechaser. He won 15 of his 33 races. There have been a lot of people dying of a young age of sudden heart attack. Kind of odd. Kind of odd. They should do a test on those and see how many of them um, may or may not have done something between the years of 20 and 2022. Correct. I agree. But, uh, oh, he didn't put on the, uh, what was his name, Derek Hillman or something like that? What? The dude from the NFL that died this week. He was 31 years old, remember? Oh, yeah. Or, of a yeah, sudden heart was, attack. 31 years old yeah and he was in the he was in the super bowl was it him i think his name was hillman or something like that i think so but uh anyhow yeah so uh the eagles lost this week to the cowboys they played pretty well against them considering they had their second string um quarterback quarterback in but they still lost but they're still leading the division and set to uh win that division hopefully if they went out They'll still uh, they'll still uh, end up winning the division. They play New Orleans this weekend, which seems to be a beatable game or was, win- a winnable game. It was Ronnie Hillman. Ronnie Hillman, yeah. He was the Super Bowl winning 2015 Denver Broncos leading rusher. He died Wednesday. He was 31. Yeah. Oh, he had cancer. My apologies. Oh. He had cancer. There was another football player here a while back that had cancer. Remember? Mm-hmm. Like last year or the year before, he just got back to playing. Yep. 
Oh, and if you all go check out the podcast from P-Town uh, group page, I uploaded another friendly little thing about LeBron James. Um, do you all know how much oh, good grief. I love that guy? So, uh, digging on into the episode for tonight. Um, so, a while back, we actually did a podcast about the King Ranch, which is the most downloaded episode that I've had. Nice. Um, yeah. So tonight we, um, I got to thinking we're going to do an episode about the, uh, Four Sixes Ranch, which is another famous American ranch down there in Texas and is also famous for, um, having some pretty good quarter horses come off of that ranch. Um, and the King, King Ranch is down around the Gulf area, but the, uh, Four Sixes, it's up around the Texas Panhandle. And currently, the ranch is owned by Taylor Sheridan, who's the producer of Yellowstone. Oh. And uh, there's actually been segments of the TV show that's been filmed at the ranch. If you remember, I think it was in the last episode, they sent the young guy there to the Four Sixes Ranch to uh, work and become a real cowboy. And uh, But there's a lot of that's hyped up Hollywood stuff. But there's actually a pretty long history to the ranch. And I found... You'll see as we go through this, I found quite a few discrepancies in the different places that I researched about this ranch. Um, I tried to list most of them out. But, uh, so one place actually said that the ranch was started in 1870. Uh, Another site said it was started in 1900. And then another site even says it was started in 1868. But either way, it's over 100 years old. Uh, The ranch was founded by a guy by the name of Captain Samuel Barnett, who went by the name of Burke. Which, back in those days, everybody was a captain or a colonel or something. It must have been from the Civil War era or something. Um, there's stories that he won the ranch in a card game where his hand, his winning hand, was four sixes. But talking or they talked with the family and stuff, and they denied uh, that claim. Uh, they most of the um, family, I guess, it says uh, that he actually bought a hundred head of cattle from a guy, hundred head of cattle. From a guy by the name of Frank Denton, that they had the Four Sixes brand on them. Um, and then once they got the ranch going, there's also some discrepancy on the size of the ranch. Uh, one place says that it uh, is 350,000 acres. Another one says it's 260,000 acres. Uh, either way, it's um, roughly one third the size of Rhode Island. Good grief! Uh, and it's the- just a cattle ranch. Huh? It's just a cattle ranch? Well, it's a lot more than that now. Oh, yeah. But the uh, when I was do- going through the research and some of the timeline stuff, it looks like some of the discrepancies on the size was that the 350,000 acres was when the ranch was the largest it had ever been. And then 260,000 acres is what the ranch is currently after having they sold off some parcel- parcels of land and whatnot. Um... The ranch now it's known by uh, it's known for Angus cattle and quarter horses, but Burnett, who had started the ranch, he actually liked the Hereford and Durham breeds, and he when he was raising these, he ended up winning quite a few livestock shows and whatnot with his cattle. But then they eventually uh, transferred over to the Angus. Angus uh, with the Herefords, part, I think one of the reasons why they died, they ended up losing about two thousand head. Ooh. In 1918, due to a blizzard, 
Uh, oh. But they ended up rebuilding the herd, and I think that was one of the reasons they transferred to the Angus, too, was because they said that they were more durable or something. Oh. Uh, Burnett died in 1920, and his granddaughter took over ownership of the ranch. Um, again, discrepancies. They didn't have very good record keeping back in these days because uh, another site said that he died in 1922, but it was around that time when he died and his granddaughter uh, took over uh, running the ranch and ownership of the ranch. And by the time he died, though, they were also raising horses at the time. Uh, Burnett, he was a fan of paints, and he used to say that every spot on a paint horse was worth a dollar. And for a lot of years, the Indians would visit the ranch, and uh, they would trade or buy horses from him and whatnot. And uh, they had a pretty good business going uh, going on then. But then when his granddaughter took over, she ended up purchasing a couple of uh, quarter horses called Gray Badger Two and Hollywood Gold. And these were two pretty well-known quarter horses of the time. I hadn't really heard of them, but uh, I bet my mom has probably researched them quite a bit. And actually, if you guys get bored, there's a place out there called allbreedpedigree.com. And I've just done it for like quarter horses and stuff. You can go in there and type in a quarter horse's name, and it'll tell you the whole pedigree of that horse. Wow. I've actually done it for a few of the quarter horses we've had. But anyhow, back to the history. Uh, in 1921, oil was found on the ranch, and that turned out to be a pretty lucrative business. Uh, and this is the way that they were able to purchase uh, more land, purchase more cattle, purchase more horses and whatnot. One of the wells that they found on this with this uh, oil, it said that it was going, it would produce 10,000 barrels a day. Wow. And it said that once they got into full swing, there was so much oil drilling going on. At one point, it was too dangerous to smoke where the drilling was going on. I don't know if that was just an old, like, wives' tale type of thing or well, probably actually not. was. But um, that's how much oil they're pulling out of the ground. And they they wow. it must have been true because it actually caused a bunch of guys to quit smoking and move to chewing tobacco. Yeah. So they wouldn't smoke out there. There you go. Uh, the, part, the horse part of the business was kind of dying off at this point. They were getting more and more into the oil. Uh, they haven't fully delved into the quarter horse market yet, and it was said by 1932 there weren't many horses left on the ranch, and the ones that were there were either old or worn out, but um, we'll get into the quarter horse fiasco here in a little bit. With the cattle, um, or sorry, with the ranch, it's uh, it says it's a lesson in land and animal management. The ranch actually manages around 119 pastures and these all range from a few hundred acres to some of these pastures actually reach 16,000 acres which uh it's kind of interesting to note when you're talking about land of this size that a few hundred acres is actually small not considered very big uh on the pastures though they have about 18 solar wells wow. 29 windmills and 10 submersibles with 66 tubs. Good grief. Which I assume the tubs are basically uh, water. water troughs or something like that. Uh, there's at least one full-time employee that manages the cultivation and whatnot of the land. And the total employees of the ranch uh, ranges anywhere from 50 to 100 people. And that number kind of fluctuates based on the seasonal needs of the ranch. Uh, which, you know, during the haying times and stuff, they probably need more people. And then... Maybe during the winter they don't need uh, as many. About 20 of the guys are uh, full-time cowboys. Wow. 
which I'd love to find out where to sign up for that job. Right. That'd be kind of cool. Go out there and just ride, ride horses. Uh, I remember on some of the Yellowstone episodes, uh, one of the guys goes to work as a cowboy on the ranch to learn how to become a real cowboy. And they say, oh, yeah, we're just going to ride over to the next barn or whatever. And it was like 10,000 acres that they had to ride across or anything. But getting back into the cattle and horses, uh, at this time and for about 100 years of the ranch, they were more, f- more focused on the Hereford breeding. And it says by 1936, they were run- running about 20,000 head of Herefords. I thought they were doing Angus. No, they started off with Herefords. Oh. And Durham's. They're switching to Angus. Oh. Um, they bred Brangus cattle with the Herefords to come up. This is actually where the Black Baldy cattle came up with. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you've seen those around. Yeah. Um, then about 20 years ago, they finally uh, made the switch to Angus cattle, which really isn't that long ago. <clears throat> they figured that uh, these cattle would increase the feedlot performance and would provide a better product to the customer. And the ranch, it runs a breeding herd of about six to 7,000 cattle. Uh, this is the breeding herd. I'm not sure if this considers a grazing herd as well. Uh, they break the cattle up into different herds as they graze them. And I, it, I, another thing, I wasn't sure if it was um, based on how the herds were broken up or how they managed the herds, if it was based on like size or based on what it was based on with managing the herd. But it was said that they don't use any growth enhancing hormones or anything like that in their cattle and that they actually, they actively manage the herd. They feed their cattle, uh, or they feed their own feedlot cattle, and they actually perform or get data on the cattle by their ear tags or something like that on how well the cattle are performing. So as they're feeding them in the feedlot, they can they can uh, pull up data, and I think they I don't know if I put it in here, but I think they said that they can uh, like tell everything about every single cow on the ranch. Wow. Uh. The active management of the herd is what helps them uh, to have one of the best herds anywhere at. Any rancher can buy a bunch of cows and turn them out to pasture and hope they do well, but the 4-6 actively actively monitors all their herds. It says that each cow is expected to have a calf by its side at the end of calving season. If the cow is not producing for the ranch, then it probably goes down the road or ends up on somebody's dinner plate. And each animal is electronically tracked from birth to processing plant. Oh yeah, that's... yeah. So I think they inject them with like an RFID chip or something like that. And they'll track that as a calf all the way through its lifespan. It says they can, uh, it, they can track how many times a cow has been bred, the vaccination status of the cows. Um, wow. It's fancy. They've got all sorts of different data points that they'll track on each cow, you know, probably tracking uh, like what their birth weight of their um, calves are sure. and stuff like that and how well. Then they can track how well their calves do and that type of thing. So they track pretty much everything that they can on these cows. Uh, getting into the horses, Burnett, like I said, Burnett really liked uh, paints. But after he died, most of the stock was sold off. But by 1932, when the new manager came along, all the horses seemed to be uh, too old, too worn out. And the new ranch manager was a guy by the name of George Humphrey. And he wanted to have the best stock of horses in the country. So he started off by getting about 20 good broodmares. And then the first stud that they used was a horse named Scooter, which, oddly enough, 
this was a cattle ranch and this horse was a racehorse and I've ridden horses pretty much all my life and haven't had the best luck with horses that have been coming off the track. Uh, they don't seem to be the best type of working horses. Uh, you remember Cowboy mm-hmm. that I talked about? Mm-hmm. When you'd ride him up in the mountains, if there was a twig, he'd trip over it. <laughs> it was horrible. And then I had uh, Desi. She, she was, was crazy. She was, yeah, she was literally crazy. She would, uh, she had really nice colts and she was really catty on her feet. But um, there was one time I went and uh, just put my foot in the stirrup. It hadn't even swung up on yet and she started bucking. She's like a woman in menopause. But anyhow, by 1940, they'd really started to build the herd. And then came uh, that horse, Hollywood Gold. And he, uh, the Humphrey guy, he talked the owner into letting him have the horses to raise some cow ponies, is what he called them. And this horse was used as a stud for a lot of years on the ranch. The stud produced some of the best cutting horses across the nation. And his bloodlines are still sought after today. They bought a stud horse by the name of Seabars which um, that breeding I'm familiar with. Uh, They bought him for $6,500. And this horse would throw a lot of racing horses as well as cutting horses. They ended up keeping him for about seven years and sold him for $15,000. So $6,500, they bought him and sold him for $15,000. And the breeding on this guy, he went back to three bars on the top side, which was a thoroughbred. So he had pretty close thoroughbred breeding in him. And then on the bottom side, he went back to some famous horse like Chicaro Bill, uh, some of those, some of that breeding. Um, the Seabars, he was born in 1950, and so I'm not exactly sure. Actually, it didn't. I didn't see exactly sure when they bought him, but uh, they had a pretty good name. The ranch was starting to establish a pretty good name for themselves. Then around the 1960s, they created an actual equine breeding program. This seemed to be more than just grabbing a horse and taking it out to ride. Uh, This was more of a formal program where they really focused on continuing their name. And they had some pretty good stallions uh, throughout their equine breeding program. They had some, like I talked about, Hollywood Gold or Grey Badger too. But they also had some others like uh, Joe Hancock. Oh, yeah. You've heard of that horse probably. Uh, One of the most famous running quarter horses that they had, Dash for Cash, uh, this horse, uh, he produced some amazing racing quarter horses. It says that his offspring have won more than $40 million. Good grief. And that, um, that horse, I've heard a lot about him. He was, he was amazing horse. I can't remember if it was Dash or Cash or Jet Deck, but they said his first launch out of the gates when they would start him was like 36 feet. Um, yeah, he was an amazing horse. But they say that currently the four sixes has twenty five of the greatest running uh, performance and ratchet quarter horses in the world, so they've got a pretty good breeding uh, program going on there. And the op- the horse operation uh, it's grown so much that they actually have their own resident veterinarian oh. who's charging the whole breeding program here at the ranch. <laughs> and I saw a deal. I'm not sure, but I think that uh, veterinarian uh, the time the research that I was looking at was put out to now i think that guy may have actually died i thought i saw something about that but the horses they're not just for looks they want horses on the ranch that are sound horses uh they need to have good legs and be good footed the ranch still uses horses for things like gathering and working the cattle a lot of the guys in some of these big ranching areas they've switched to using four wheelers and whatnot but they said the four sixes is in a place for that and 
truly using uh, horses to gather the cattle and work them, it keeps the cattle a lot calmer and reduces the stress on them than using four-wheelers and that type of thing. Well, that would make sense. Today, though, it also seems that they've also worked into a partnership with the King Ranch to continue growing a legacy of amazing quarter horses. Because between these two ranches, they probably have probably the best quarter horse stock in the world, I would think. Um, so even though Christmas is over, my birthday's coming up. Yes. And if you guys, I showed you the picture of that one horse that I wanted for my birthday. Yep. I think we could probably uh, sell the house and maybe be able to afford it. Maybe. And then if the horse died, we could just cut it open and use its skin for a house. That's disgusting. No. Well, you got to do what you got to do when times are rough. Well, we ain't that rough yet. Some of the horses actually on the ranch are even movie stars. Um, nice. Taylor Sheridan actually bought the ranch for over $300 million. Oh, my gosh. And some of the horses have actually made appearances on the TV show. And <clears throat> I'm not sure how far into the season they are now, but I saw a deal on one place that one of their uh, studs was going to make be making an appearance on the Yellowstone TV show. So nice. uh, that'd be pretty cool. But also looking at the uh, some of the pedigrees, some of the bloodlines um, that they have, they have a horse there named uh, Boone to Swin or Boone to Suian or something like that. And the pedigree on this guy, he goes back to Doc Bar, uh, Poco Tivio. He goes back to King. He goes back to Gray Badger too, and um, some uh, the breeding fee. The breeding fee on him is actually only uh, $3,000, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And they say that his, uh, I'm not sure if it's him or his offspring, has earned over uh, $4 million. Good grief. And I actually, I think I should do an episode just on some of the horses that have come off of this ranch, because there's been some pretty amazing, that's maybe what I should do. I could do an episode on the th horses and the the horses from the four sixes and the King Ranch. Uh, Doc Bar. Didn't we have a horse from Doc Bar? Um, I thought we did. Probably. The to Doc Bar. Probably. Uh, I don't remember. We've had so many different quarter horses over the years. Uh, I don't remember all of their breeding. But anyhow, that's kind of some of the highlights on the King Ranch. Um, the Four I, Sixes. Or, sorry, Four Sixes Ranch. Like I say, it's probably right up there with the king ranch as far as popularity goes at one time the king ranch was the largest ranch in the united states but i think there's actually maybe a ranch in hawaii now that is larger than the king ranch how can a ranch in hawaii bigger be bigger i don't know but uh there's some pretty big ranches out there if any of you guys have any ideas for big ranches and stuff expect not just for it to be a ranch but for a ranch to have you know good um quarter horses or any type of horses like the king and the four sixes ranch uh send them over to me i'd be i like researching uh that type of stuff about all the old horses and whatnot and uh seeing their bloodlines actually when i was researching this one i just sat on that all breed pedigree website for like an hour just looking at different horses and different bloodlines it's kind of fun looking back at them there was actually a horse called uh i think it was impressive maybe that was in like 1969 that his uh, offspring, they would get this hype disease, which I think would oh. just cause them to pass out or something. Aww. It was weird, but they pretty much bred all that out so they don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, but good. maybe I should have my mom come on and we could do an episode just talking about horses. There you go. That'd be kind of fun. There you go. 
Talk her into it. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. And then we can talk Dad into coming in on talking about Vietnam. Probably not. Probably have a better chance of hell freezing over. Yeah, or we could have uh, Bill come over and do it. He might actually do it, but we'd have to label that one explicit content. Correct. But it'd be fun. So, anyhow, um, be sure to message our co-host, um, happy birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, message me, uh, thank you for putting up with her, and wow. um, pretty much I think that's about it that we have for tonight. I wasn't as prepared because I wasn't sure if we were going to do it or not because sometimes our co-host gets cranky about doing podcasts, but she actually brought it up to me that said we were out to dinner and said we need to get home and do the podcast so there's something there for you i'm not sure that's what i said yeah when we were taking our picture you said oh shoot we gotta get home and do the podcast that's not what i said well anyhow that's what it sounded like to me well that's good okay so i hope you guys have a good week out there uh i hope the uh weather's treating you a little bit nicer than it's treating us it's the wind's supposed to die down about one o'clock in the morning. It sounds like around here, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll just get back to some snow and rain. There you go. Um, we will not talk to you before the new year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So happy new year. Um, be safe out there. Uh, be smart, and we hope that the new year brings lots of blessings upon all of you. And if you want, you can come celebrate with us on New Year's Eve. We'll be here. Yeah, we're having a New Year's party. Maybe I should do a live stream from our New Year's party. Probably not. Nope. That would be a good idea. Yeah, no. Anywho, so we will talk to you next year. Be safe, be kind, do something nice for somebody else, and uh, we will chat at you later. Bye.